Hello, and a very warm welcome to Mademoiselle Privé, a new series by Monocle recorded at Chanel's brand new exhibition in Tokyo. I'm Tyler Brulé. Mademoiselle Privé takes us on a journey through haute couture, high jewellery, and perhaps one of the most notorious fragrances ever created, Chanel No. 5. Themed rooms reveal the fashion mastery by the Maison's designers from Gabrielle Chanel to Karl Lagerfeld and now Virginie Viard, and also the various ateliers whose world-renowned skills are responsible for some of the most famous outfits to grace the catwalk. Over the course of this series, I'll be speaking to a group of Chanel's collaborators from DJ and model Suju Park to musician and producer Pharrell Williams. But today, I speak to the filmmaker Sofia Coppola, whose relationship with both Chanel and Tokyo is rather poignant. Coppola is, of course, best known for her 2003 film Lost in Translation, starring Bill Murray and Scarlett Johansson, who befriend each other as they find themselves lost and lonely in a Japanese capital. Coppola first came into contact with Chanel when she interned for the Maison as a teenager. She tells me how the city and Chanel have influenced her life and work. Why don't we start in Tokyo then? The relationship with the, the city, when did it start? And of course, we know probably some of the backstory, but maybe what's missing in the detail that we don't know. My relationship to Tokyo, well, my parents loved coming to Japan and we came a lot when I was a kid. We came a few times as a kid, so I have memories. We had Christmas here when I was eight years old and Hello Kitty had not come to the States yet, so I discovered Hello Kitty and Munchichis. And of course, it was a very magical place to see as a kid. And because my parents loved to come here, they brought us here several times, so it made an impression on me. And then I was excited to come here in my 20s. I had friends that were doing fashion lines with X-Girl and X-Large. And, and Kim Gordon asked me to come help on an X-Girl show, so I was excited that she asked me to come and help on that. And I started taking photos and just in my 20s trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And I had friends here, one of them at June Magazine, that had me do photos. And they really encouraged my kind of point of view. Or your, You know that time when you're figuring out your style and what you want to do. And so it really you know, it gave me some confidence that I had a point of view. And by doing those projects and photos helped lead me to doing film. So I feel this is a big part of my growing up time of my life. Was it an osmosis process, or was there really a Japan turning point? So I, I sort of feel like it didn't happen for me just in one trip, but then there was something It just, yeah, it was over time, six or seven trips that it gets under your skin. Yeah, I loved it coming at that age as an adult on my own with my friends, and so I um, was always looking for a way to come back, and and started doing a little clothing label because of X-Girl. I thought, oh, it'd be fun to do like a little t-shirt line, just more of an excuse to be able to come back to Tokyo. So always finding projects so I could come back. And um, I have good friends that I've known since then that I still see. And, and it's always yeah, one of my favorite places. And uh, why I made Lost in Translation was to try to capture the feeling of being here. Jet lag at all. <laughs> Maybe one small fact that I guess many listeners wouldn't know, but there was also an early start with Chanel in terms of relationship. You talk about your fashion career. There was an internship moment as well. And I'm wondering what was the point of attraction to say, yeah, I guess of all of the brands you could have gone to work at, uh, you chose this one. 
Well, I am very fortunate that my parents and my dad are friends with a French actress, Carole Bouquet, who was the face of Chanel in the 80s. And as a kid, just in the 80s, like Chanel was always is one of the most iconic fashion brands of the capital of fashion. So anyway, so she was working with Chanel and helped arrange an internship because my parents knew that ever since I was a kid, I loved fashion. And back then, I think it was more unusual. Now it's part of our mainstream culture, but then it was like unusual for a little kid to be interested in fashion with no one around me. You know, my, my mom wasn't really into fashion, so they thought it was unusual and were always encouraging my interest in it. And so they arranged when I was 15 to do an internship at Chanel in the summer. And, and I was very excited to go to Paris at that time, but I remember being nervous going, thinking it was gonna be very like strict old ladies in Chanel suits, and then I got there, and Carl was so friendly, and everyone at the studio, there was all these young people working there, and so much fun and energy, and they were very welcoming, and and I don't really speak French, or I'm too shy to, to speak the little that I know, but yeah, they welcomed me, and it was really exciting to be in the studio at that time, and I was, you know, carrying samples up and down the stairs to the atelier, and making Xeroxes, and getting coffees, and just to be in that studio and see Carl start with the sketches all the way to the final couture show was um, really incredible to see as a kid. And here we are full circle. A small film has just been cut with Carol Bouquet. Um, yes. Getting, I think, definitely the amount of seconds or minutes that she rightfully deserves. Tell us a little bit about that. And uh, it's a short short, and it's the start of what we're told could be many things that you're going to be doing. But tell us a little bit about just the narrative of the film, what you wanted to, to get across. When I spoke about doing a little piece for this, kind of to promote the exhibit or to participate in the exhibit, I asked if Chanel could send me everything they could from the archives, and it was so fun to sit with my editor and look through all this archive footage and all the old shows, and, and I'd never seen that Catherine Deneuve clip before of that commercial, so I really enjoyed getting to look at all those pieces and Coco on the staircase, and I love seeing the old shows, how she used to do them in the salon, how they used to do shows then. So I just try to capture the the spirit of what I love about Chanel and what comes to mind and I think Carl's playfulness and the codes of Chanel that Coco created that continue on and Virginie keeps bringing you forward. When you referenced Salon and how the shows used to be done before they sort of arrived on the big stages that they're on today, do you think also there we start to come full circle that Maybe we go back to a time of intimacy, getting closer to the garment. Because I think that's what's interesting about this is there's, even though this is a big exhibition, it is about a series of rooms. It's about, as you said, a series of color codes and design codes. And also does the consumer need to get closer to that? Because and you have a, a history of having your own label as well. And I'm wondering well, if you feel I don't like, really call it that. Well. I made t-shirts, but California girls making t-shirts. But no, but I, what I was really impressed seeing the exhibit today was being that close to these couture pieces and seeing the embroidery and the fabrics. You never get to see them up close like that. Even at a show, they're at a distance. I mean, seeing them in person is really impressive, so I appreciate being able to get that close to them. And when you looked at the archive, I mean, I'd never seen the, that's what's great about it, to open with this film, with this Catherine Deneuve spot. Do you also see, like, the clear line, thinking from the time you were there when you were 15-ish or mid-teens, to where it is today? We see a lot of 
maybe companies in the sector, not to speak of other companies, but, you know, they swerve and zig and zag. I feel like, I mean, the identity of Chanel is so strong that I still feel the same. There's still made the classic jacket and even the approach of how women wear it. I think it's similar throughout the time. It's impressive how modern Coco was thinking. And that studio in the 80s when the models would come in, Veronica Webb would be in a Chanel jacket, ripped jeans and a T-shirt. And I still always love that approach. And I like, I love that about Virginie. Her style is that she wears Chanel in a kind of easy, she has a casualness about her, which I think is really appealing for women. There's nothing precious about it, even though it's beautifully made. You obviously have a history with Japan and this maison as well. Is there a curious or rewarding overlap between Chanel and Japan? Because oftentimes, I remember the first time I came here, you really noticed women in the early 90s in Ginza and were maybe a little bit in sort of the elegant pose that you are today. But then you've also sort of watched the evolution of also the Ginza girl, the Aoyama girl, then maybe in more of a jacket and jeans, etc. It's always struck me that there's something very closely linked between this sort of Tokyo, Paris, Chanel bridge. Yeah, there is. I've always felt like there's a connection between Tokyo and Paris or a, a love kind of sisterhood between them because I feel like both cultures have an appreciation in common of certain things. And I always thought, yeah, that there's just some camaraderie between the two and and the cultures, and I love both of them, so there must be something that they have in common. I think one of the things I love about Tokyo is the combination of this very elegant heritage mixed with really the most modern pop culture and how they can coexist, and I feel like Chanel has that, that there's the real respect for the heritage, but then there's a playful spirit and approach to it. There's a femininity overlap as well, though, I think between Japanese women and, and French women, that it never goes away, that there is this, and I think probably Chanel sort of has informed so many other retailers and brands here that there's this, it doesn't matter what else is happening in fashion, there's always an elegance here when you go into any number of specialty stores, multi-brand stores, department stores. Yeah, yeah, no, I love that. And you see that in, in the women here, that there is an elegance. And um, yeah, it does seem informed or inspired. There's a connection to the what Chanel started. Just before we go, just on the topic of craft and making beautiful things, what can you sort of impart with us in terms of what you're going to be doing with Chanel in terms of new projects, expectations? Oh, I don't know. I, mean, I, I It was really fun to work on this and visit Virginie in the studio. So I love having a conversation. I hope I can help with projects going forward, but we'll see. <laughs> so Vicoco, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. And that was Sofia Coppola, whose short film can be seen at the Mademoiselle Privé exhibition, which is on at the BNC Hall in Tokyo until December 1st. And you can find out more information at mademoisellepriv.chanel.com. This program was produced by Holly Fisher, and I'm Tyler Brule. You can explore all of our collaborations with Chanel at monocle.com forward slash radio or by heading to the Chanel 355 podcast on iTunes. Join us next time. We will meet the model and DJ Suju Park. But until then, thanks for listening and goodbye.